Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. your neighbor and say, I'm ready to receive. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. I think we're living in a time of a lot of change. Anybody notice that? All kinds of things are changing. We've even seen a lot of change happening in the church world, and I, I don't think that's, that's always a bad thing. I think, you know, I noticed here you've changed some things around in your sanctuary since the last time I was here. I don't think that change is, is always bad. I believe that when things grow, it changes, right? I don't think that change necessarily brings growth, but I do believe that growth will bring change. And uh, I'm 52 years old. I'll be 53 this May. I have spent almost my entire life in the church, and we have seen a lot of changes happening in the American church over the last half century, and not not all the changes have been bad, but I believe there are some changes that have taken place that I believe those changes are hurting our efforts. They are hindering our growth, and they are handicapping our effectiveness. And I'm not really talking about, you know, music styles or worship preferences. Uh, I'm not talking about man-made uh, standards of holiness, things of that nature. I think there's some foundational things that we have left in the past in Christianity of yesteryear that I think we need to reach hold and grab, grab a hold of once again. Amen? So in 2 Kings chapter 13, we find Elisha the prophet has become sick and this illness is going to take his life. And King Joash comes to visit with him. And one last time, the Lord uses Elisha with a prophetic word to the king. And we pick up the story in verse 20. Verse 20. Then Elisha died... And they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones. Everybody say, touch the bones. Touch the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood on his feet. Now remember Elisha was the prophet who carried the mantle of his predecessor, Elijah. Now, during the lifetime of Elijah, the Lord worked through him 14 different miracles. And it was declared unto Elisha, he will stick with the man of God to the very end. You can have a double portion. Well, Elisha did just that, and he received the double portion of God's power. But if you look over the life of Elisha, you would discover that the Lord performed 27 miracles through his life, just one shy of being exactly double. And I think that when Elisha finally died, I think the devil started to celebrate, have a little party, that the word of the Lord failed. And that he really did not have a double portion. But the scripture that we just read declares that when a dead man touched Elisha's bones, the dead man came alive and that brought the miracle tally up to what? 28, the exact number of double 14, right? Folks, I'm telling you, God is not mocked, amen? 
You need to know that God always keeps his word. He will not fail you in his promises to you. He is never late. He's always an on-time God. We never have to doubt what God has declared. But what I want us to see from the scripture is how something that was dead was revived when it touched some old bones. This skeleton is a representation of foundational things from our past within the realms of Christianity. Just like a foundation is to a building, so skeletons are to our body. You'd be kind of difficult moving without a skeleton, right? And there are some things happening in our modern preaching, in our modern Christian movement, that I think are missing, and we need to see them restored. I think we need to reach back, and we need to touch some old bones, amen? And see so many things revived in our lives, in our preaching, and in our churches. And to make it easier for those of you taking notes, the five things we're going to reach back and touch. The first letter is going to spell out the word bones. B-O-N-E-S. Amen. So here's the first thing we need to reach back and touch. We need to reach back and touch the old bones of believing God again. Everybody say believe. Now that kind of sounds strange because this isn't the major foundation of our faith to believe folks i'm telling you doubt and disbelief has permeated most of the churches of america yes even our spirit filled churches i stand amazed at the lack of believing god amongst the saints of god today even in our spirit filled churches you know one thing covid did in this nation was it revealed the doubt and the disbelief that crept into our churches do you know that? Many Christians and many pastors and many churches were believing the news over the word of God. They were believing what man said over what God said. But friends, we've got to reach back and touch the old bones of believing God again. We've got to get a firm grasp on the reality that God's word cannot lie. And it seems that for many Christians, we have lost the ability to stand firm on the word of God and believe it no matter what. Folks, we call that faith. And Jesus asked the question in Luke 18, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith left on the earth? Folks, I'm telling you, today is not a day to lack faith. We are not living in an age where we ought to be lacking faith. Why? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we got a lot of Christians that are living in defeat because they're not walking in faith. They're believing doctors over what Jesus said, government over what Jesus said, news over what Jesus said, circumstances over what Jesus said. But folks, we got to get back to believing Jesus and his word and stand on his word in faith. The songwriters said it best when they said this, faith in God can move a mighty mountain. Faith in God can calm the troubled sea. Faith can make the desert like a fountain. Faith will bring the victory. Church, we got to get back to the book. We got to get back to believing what the Bible declares. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And no wonder we have so many Christians today stumbling around, not sure what to do or where to go. They don't have enough of the word in them to see the next step. We've got to get back to believing God's word. Somebody shout believe again. Believe. Folks, if we don't stand in faith, we'll sink in fear. Can I say that again? We don't stand in faith, we'll sink in fear. And can I tell you this, that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. 
Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Let me move on to the letter O. We need to reach back and touch some of the old bones of obeying the Spirit. Obeying the Spirit. I can't tell you how many times the Spirit of God has been quenched even in our Spirit-filled churches. You know, the Bible tells us not to quench the Spirit. And I don't know why there are some leaders in our churches today that think, think they can carry out the mission of the church in their own strength, with their own talent, with their own charisma, and their own good looks. But Zechariah said it best when he said, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We've got to get back to obeying the Spirit of God. We've got to learn to hear his voice and obey what he says. Amen? We can't just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers of the word. Listen, in days of Christianity past, because I was raised in the church, it was commonplace for us to see obedience to the Spirit in our services because we weren't tied to a program. We weren't tied to a clock, and we weren't tied to a crock pot. There was spontaneity in those services, amen? I mean, you really never knew what God was going to do. People would come to church expecting that if they heard the Spirit of God say something, they would obey. Maybe it was given impromptu testimony. Maybe to sing a song that wasn't on the agenda. They might have broken out in holy laughter. Maybe they danced in the spirit. Maybe they were used in a gift of the spirit. Maybe someone went running to the altar to get deliverance. Maybe the preacher didn't even preach because God was moving. But Christians knew if the Lord was speaking to them, they should obey the spirit. And of course, all things being done decently and in order. But now we have pastors of spirit-filled churches telling people that any gifts of the Spirit that are in operation will only be done from the leadership, not you in the pew. Well, folks, it's not Bible, and it's not the heart of Jesus. The church is the body of Christ. It's made up of many members, and we've got to value those members. And, folks, we understand that God uses people, not just leaders, right? And I know some pastors may say, yeah, but what if the people are wrong? What if they get in the flesh? Well, I don't know. Maybe you should just lovingly correct them and help them grow because that's part of our job as leaders, right? And let me just remind everybody who might be a minister in this room, we don't always get it right either. Come on, I've seen some ministers declare some crazy stuff and say, that's what God said, and God was never anywhere near it. You know what I'm talking about? So we got to reach back and touch the old bones of obeying the Spirit. Just listen to what he says. He may direct you to pray for somebody actually outside of the church walls. Can you imagine that? He might tell you to pray for a co-worker, right? He might tell you to start teaching a Sunday school class. He might tell you to bake a pie and give it to the evangelist. I mean the neighbor. You know what I mean? <laughs> he might tell you to start using a talent or a gift that you've kept hidden. But like Mary said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. I challenge each of us, get back to obeying the Spirit of God. Don't resist him. Don't quench him. Don't refuse him. But obey him. Amen? And let me tell you what, some of you watching online, I believe God's been speaking to you. It's time to get back to church. Come on. Fear, fear has caused you to walk in disobedience. And can I say this? You're able to go to Walmart and shop. You're able to come to the house of the Lord. If you're able to go to a friend's house, you're able to go to God's house. Huh? If you can go to the bank and go to the store, you can come to the house of the Lord. 
Listen, anything that we do motivated by fear, the Bible says is a sin. So we obey the Spirit of God because he'll never tell you to sin. Amen? Let me move on to the letter N. We got to reach back and touch the old bones of necessary prayer. I say necessary because it's really not optional in the life of a believer. Right? There was a survey done of Christians and it showed that 90% of Christians said they read their Bible regularly. Wow. 90%. That sounds awesome. Till you find out what the word regularly means. Could mean every Christmas we read Luke chapter 2. That's regularly, right? Every Easter we read a scripture. Once a month I read a verse. That's regularly. Well, okay, so maybe it doesn't sound as positive now, 90%. But you know, out of that 90% of the people who said they read the Bible regularly, 31% said, I take time to pray every day. Wow. Prayerlessness is a rampant disease in our churches today. You know, many churches have stopped teaching believers how to pray. And they've stopped providing opportunities for the body of Christ to pray together. It's funny, if we host a pizza movie night, everybody shows up. If we have a prayer meeting, two or three show up. It's amazing how so many new church plants or church remodeling projects always end up at the coffee center, but no prayer room. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yet the average church has less than seven minutes of prayer on a Sunday. I'm telling you, church, we've got to reach back and touch the old bones of necessary prayer. Because prayer is not our last resort. It is our first priority. Prayer is our communication line with Jesus. Prayer is powerful. It is productive. It is positive. And the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, you will find he often secluded himself and took time to pray. Now, if the Son of God needed to take time to find strength and guidance through prayer, how much more do you and I need it? You ever notice how Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to put together a sermon, organize a meeting, or take up an offering? But he did teach them how to what? Pray. Folks, a prayerless church is a powerless church, and a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. We've got to begin to revive the prayer meetings in our churches once again. We've got to reach back and touch the old bones of necessary prayer if we are ever going to succeed in winning the lost. Because without prayer, our message is going to fall on deaf ears. I'm telling you, church, the devil doesn't fear your programs, and he doesn't fear your policies, but he does fear your prayers. And I find it strange that a lot of believers will do everything but pray. You ever notice that? I mean, they'll read books on prayer. They'll talk about prayer. They'll sing about the sweet hour prayer. They'll go to seminars on prayer. They just don't pray. And the devil will do anything he can to get you not to pray. Why? Because he knows that prayer is God's way of releasing God's power on the earth. He knows that prayer binds him and his demonic cords. He knows that prayer loosens the angelic hosts to come and do the assignments that they have on earth. And there's a lot more I could say about prayer, but we've got to get to a place where we stop talking about it and we just do it. Amen? We reach back and touch the old bones of necessary prayer. Let me move on with the next one. We got to reach back and touch the old bones of expressing love. Expressing love. Again, you would think, isn't this like a basic of the gospel message that we love? Why do you have to speak on that? Well, sadly, I do. Because my question is this. 
Why is it that some Christians can be the most mean, hateful, backbiting, vengeful people you ever want to meet? Same in or ouch. It's, it seems we've got a lot of Christians today that are easily hurt, easily offended, and will easily attack people for no real reason whatsoever. You know, Jesus actually warned us about this in Matthew 24. He said, in the last days, the love of many believers would grow cold. Paul comes along and warns us about the same thing in 2 Timothy 3. He said, here's what the last day's church will look like. He said, they will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be proud, blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. They'll be brutal. They'll be despisers of good. They'll be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and having a form of godliness but denying its power. Folks, I'm telling you, you don't have to be in the church long to see this is happening in our churches across America. We've got to get back and reach out and touch these old bones of expressing love. Remember what 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. But he that doesn't love doesn't know God. For God is love. Folks, you can actually lose your love as a Christian. Did you know that? You can actually get out of the love of God. You say, that's not true. Well, Jude said, keep yourself in it. Well, if you can't get out of it, why do you have to keep yourself in it? He said, keep yourself in the love of God. Folks, we can get out of the lane of love and we can get into the lane of legalism where we're judging everybody else because we think their life doesn't line up with our personal standards of holiness. And you can get out of the lane of love and get into the lane of lawlessness where you basically live any way you want as a Christian with this live free, feel good lifestyle and you're offending everybody by that lifestyle. But we got to get back into the lane of love where we love one another and prefer one another. Amen? We follow the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love suffers long and is kind. Sometimes we just got to get back to some good old-fashioned kindness. Amen? It says love doesn't envy. That means when another believer gets to minister in song at church and they didn't ask you to sing, you don't talk bad about them and, you know, get all hurt about it. Love doesn't parade itself around and gets puffed up. I mean, you may be God's gift to the church, but you don't have to tell it everybody about it. Amen? You don't have to act like it, even though that may be true. God will make room for your gifts. He'll exalt you in due time. How about this one? Love doesn't behave rudely. Oh, we could stop and preach there for a while. How about we watch what we're posting on social media sites? Make sure it's not rude, amen? You know, another way of being rude is always telling people your opinion. You know, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you have to share it. I like to say opinions are like armpits. We all have a couple and they usually stink. <laughs> Come on. Let me move ahead. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Hello? Can we please stop talking about how Sister Bucketmouth hurt you 10 years ago? Get over it. Stop keeping a tally of every time the pastor does something you don't like. Stop holding on to grudges against your brothers and sisters in Christ, and let's just get back to loving one another. You know, the early church, the early church so loved one another, they would actually sell their possessions to make sure that everybody had their needs met. 
They would actually sell themselves into slavery so somebody else could go free. They would volunteer to lay their life down so someone else could go free. The Bible says they'll know we're Christians by our love. Folks, the way we act and how we treat people is telling the sinner more about our God than our sermons ever will. Come on. We've got to get back to loving one another. We can't delay. We have to reach back and touch the old bones of expressing love. Look at your neighbor and say, love you. Look at your other neighbor and say, love you more. No, just kidding. Let's move on to the last one, the letter S. We need to reach back and touch the old bones of spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled living. Now, I understand that there are some of our Christian brothers and sisters that are not necessarily of the persuasion that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for today. Okay. I think they're missing out personally on a life-empowering experience, but I'm not really talking to those people with this point. I'm directing this point to the large number of saints that faithfully attend a spirit-filled church, but they're not spirit-filled. And they're not even seeking to be spirit-filled. And I can't even understand that. Why would you not want to receive Holy Ghost empowerment for Christian living? Let me just say it this way. Let's just say that, let's just imagine that we all have to go to California today, as much as we may hate it. We all have to go to California today, and there's only two modes of transportation and how we're going to get there. Out in the parking lot, you either pick a 10-speed bike or a stretch limousine. Which one are you going to pick? You're going to take the limo. I've been over the Rockies four times, so you're not going to take the 10-speed bike, trust me. You want to take the limo, right? Now listen, both will get you there, right? But one's got a lot more power and the ride is a lot more comfortable. Come on. See, Jesus knew his disciples would need spirit-filled life if they were going to fulfill the mission that he gave them, right? So he said, tarry in that upper room till the promise of the Father comes. And they did, and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then Paul comes along in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and he says, be continually filled with the Spirit. Folks, it's not a one and done. Come on, some of y'all spoke in tongues in 1973 and you haven't yabba dabba dude since. I'm telling you, we're to be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. And the structure of that sentence of that verse, it's not a suggestion, it's actually a command. We are commanded, be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus was filled with the Spirit as an example for us. And when we're spirit-filled, we are better equipped to be more like Christ. We're more effective in walking out our calling. When we're spirit-filled, we're more energized to witness. When we're spirit-filled, we will find it easier to eradicate the works of the flesh in our life. Now, let me tell you this. Every Christian possesses the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost doesn't possess every Christian. There's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the infilling of the Spirit. We get the indwelling at salvation, but there is an infilling that we need as well. And we've got to reach back and touch the old bones of Spirit-filled living. Why? Because it'll help us obey the will of God. 
It'll help us live and experience an abundant life. It'll help us engage in effective service for Jesus. It will help us not to backslide. It will help us to have a life of fruitfulness. I'm telling you, if you don't have the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you need to make time to receive it. Don't wait another day or another service. Amen? I'm telling you, if we, the church, are going to triumphantly arise in these last days, we got to reach back and touch the old bones. The old bones of believing God again. The old bones of obeying the Spirit. The old bones of necessary prayer. The old bones of expressing love. And the old bones of Spirit-filled living. That dead man was revived when his body touched the old bones of the prophet. And I believe we as believers... And as a church, I think there's some areas that we're dying in and some areas that have even died that we need to reach back and touch the old bones of yesteryear so we can see these things revived once again. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me as your musician comes? I believe as I've preached this message, I believe the Holy Spirit has done his job of convicting. And I think if we are all completely open and honest with ourselves, we would all have to say... I've been convicted of at least one of these things. There's at least one of these things that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on that I need to repent of, that I need to reach back and I need to touch. Now listen, this is how I feel. Oh yeah, we got lots of time. Look at this. This is how I feel like the Lord wants us to end this service. For each of us, and I mean each of us, to get out of our seat and to come forward and to real quick now, don't, don't linger, but real quick, Somewhere you touch this skeleton as a point of contact that you're reaching back and you're touching old bones. And then after you've touched it, I want you to find a place, whether it be around these altars, the front row, or back at your seat. And we're going to take some time to allow the Spirit of God to move in our life. Come on, we're relatively into the new year, right? And there's some things that, that we don't want to see ever happen in our life again this year that we saw in 2022. There's some areas that we want to get free from, right? I believe 2023 is a year to get free. Free in every area of our life. Folks, I don't know what it is that you might need, but we're going to need to have some time. Because some of you, listen, some of you, you're going to have to repent for not believing God. Come on, you can start coming. We're going to have to repent for not believing God. You've not been standing on his word, amen? And you need to start making a confession. Don't linger long so everybody can get in. You need to make a confession. God, I want to start believing you, and I want to start standing on your word, and I want to start doing what you've called me to do. Some of you are going to have to repent for not obeying the Spirit of God. He's been speaking to you, but you keep saying no, no, no. The Holy Ghost is saying do this, and you're saying no. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But in the original Hebrew, there is no words. There is in the verse. So the verse reads, the fool has said in his heart, no God. How many times have we been fools because we keep saying no God? The Spirit of God is speaking to you to do something. You do keep saying no. You're going to have to repent. Some of you are going to have to repent for a lack of prayer life. You do everything and anything but pray. You can sit down and binge watch Netflix for six hours and spend eight hours on a screen, but you can't spend two minutes in prayer. Come on. We're going to have to repent of that. Some of you are going to have to start repenting for not expressing love to one another. Some of you may have to go to Sister Bucket Mouth and tell her, I've been holding a grudge against you. I've been holding a fence against you. Some of you may have to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I, I repent for not following and submitting to your leadership. 
Some of you are going to have to repent for being bitter and angry all the time and full of strife and start walking in love with one another. Some of you are going to have to cry out for the Holy Ghost to fill you because you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That doesn't make you a second-rate citizen in the kingdom of God, but I'm telling you, you're missing out on something. You need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Some of you are going to have to push aside those preconceived ideas about what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is and just let the Holy Ghost have his way. So let's touch these old bones. Let's see God begin to restore. Let's see God begin to revive some things that are missing. Hallelujah. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Come sweet spirit, we pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Come in thine own special way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Oh, God, we want to say yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Help us to not be disobedient Christians, but submitted Christians. Oh, Jesus, this new year, will you help us touch some old bones? Touch some old bones of yesteryear. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've had a religious routine or religious experience or even a spiritual experience, but you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm telling you today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. You can know him today as a personal Savior. You can give your life to Jesus. Jesus made it so easy that a child can do it. The Bible says if we will believe in our heart and make a confession with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, we shall be saved. If we'll call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says we shall be saved. If you need salvation, call out to him right now. Believe in your heart right now. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. I believe you're coming back. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin and my shame. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me ready for heaven. I'm telling you, if you'll pray a simple prayer like that in simple faith, he will hear you and he will respond and you will be saved. But we need to touch some old bones. Revive us again, O Lord. Fill each heart with thy love. Let each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we touch the old bones today. We touch the old bones today. We touch the old bones today. God, we need a fresh encounter with you. A fresh encounter with you. We don't want to live on yesteryear's blessing or yesterday's blessing. We don't want old, stale, canned goods, but God, we want fresh manna from heaven. Move upon us today, God. Pour out fresh oil from thy throne. Let there be a fresh fire that burns in our bones. Let there be a fresh oil that comes and rests upon us. Let this be a year that we get totally free. Totally free. Totally free. In every area of our life. Free in our finances. Free in our relationships. Free from the bondages of sin. The new statistic out 
is one out of every five men are currently looking at pornography in the church, not the world, in the church. One out of every five. One out of every five. We need to be free. It's time to get free. Time to get free from those recreational drugs. Get free from hardcore drugs. Get free from the alcohol. Get free from the bitterness. Get free from the grudge. Get free from the strife. Get free from the fornication. Come on, let's get free. Let's reach back and touch these old bones. God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray over your people today. of this church over Pastor Jeff and his family. We want to declare, God, that your will and your ways will be accomplished in our lives this year. Oh God, let us remember this message for a long time that we reach back and we touch these old bones so that we can see the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen come into the kingdom before you return because your return is so very soon so very soon we thank you for your presence today we thank you for what you've done in hearts and lives today God we give you the glory for it let no man take glory but yet let you get all the glory in Jesus name in Jesus name